Good morning. I hope you're having a good Easter weekend. This week on the programme, the end of the beat campaign. Nick will be here with all the important facts and figures from British Sugar in a moment. Also, Brexit moves ever closer. Are we ready with a year to go? There's still a great deal to be decided. Um, For example, we still really don't know what trading conditions we will have with the rest of Europe and the rest of the world. Post-Brexit, if um, tariffs are taken away on uh, imported cane sugar, then we will start to see cane sugar come into the market. And later we meet the recent award-winning students from Rhizome and Bishop Burton. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Yes, it's still croaky Sean Dunderdale with you uh, this week. Now, the Sugar Beet campaign finally ended on Tuesday, to be exact, at the New York factory. So what kind of campaign has it been? Nick Morris is the man with the answers. Morning, Sean. Yes, at last. uh, Thank God we've got to the end of our campaign and it's uh, lovely you're able to come and join us on this bright, sunny, uh, spring-like day. I can't believe it finally arrived. And that's it, yes, a record 194 days of campaign. And finally, we can celebrate the fantastic success that it's been. Uh, And as ever, I'll walk you through that in numbers and start with, of course, the most important one, which is our farmers' yield of uh, of sugar beet from, from the field. And they've actually managed to achieve a record 78 tonnes a hectare, which is a fantastic success and a marvellous achievement I'm uh, incredibly proud of. So really, really pleased with the uh, agricultural yields uh, from our farmers this campaign. And that was achieved um, through a combination, of course, on physical weight and sugar content. The sugar content averaged 17.8%, which is not uh, far from average, not particularly high, but not particularly low either. Um, so it was it was a combination of uh, both the root weight and the sh- sugar content. It's uh, when you look at the, the the big headline numbers, it's it's quite stark. You know that's uh, equates to sixty six thousand deliveries of sugar beet we've received at Newark factory this season, and that's been delivered by uh, just a hundred haulage contractors that work incredibly hard throughout the campaign, and. That equates to 1.85 million tonnes of sugar beet uh, produced by our 750 farmers. But uh, when you think about how that translates into the supermarket uh, shelf, just at Newark alone, that's equivalent to 300 million bags of sugar. Uh, And uh, that's testament to the the fantastic factory that we're sat in here today. uh, And that will have uh, its key performance indicator that I always talk about on the show is how many tonnes of sugar beet it slices uh, on a day throughout the campaign. And that will have averaged 9,500 tonnes this campaign. So good achievement, no record, but uh, we are content and happy with our operational performance. It's fair to say uh, our, our growers have delivered some remarkable results from, from the field. And just to point out, actually, a number of contracts have exceeded 100 tonnes a hectare. So while 78 is our average, clearly uh, you have some do above and some below, but some considerably above and over 100 tonnes a hectare. What an incredible achievement. I'd also just like to say uh, thank you to uh, everyone that's been involved in our campaign over the last uh, 194 days, and that's uh, growers, of course, but contractors play a pivotal uh, part in enabling our campaign, those that harvest the crop out of the ground, and, of course, also the hauliers that get it delivered to us uh, who work uh, tireless and relentless hours in all conditions, and we've had two significant snow events, as you know, 
this campaign and uh, you know our haulage contractors are relentless they're out there and it's just another day to them and it's uh, you know I take my hat off to them uh, but also our, our own staff and our own team for making the campaign uh, all happen very successfully and safely and uh, contribute towards that success so a lot of hard work uh, from all uh, so after all of that though it's fed so everyone's feeling pretty tired I think after such a long campaign uh, and not least our factory is also ready for a bit of a break followed by some routine maintenance and upgrades during this off season so it's all uh, fit and uh, ready for the next season of course uh, in terms of the growing itself we don't really take much of a breath as drilling of the new crop uh, commenced in earnest last weekend albeit sort of three weeks behind where we would have liked it uh, but we've got plenty to be getting on with uh, but thankfully the sun's now seems to be on our backs and we can get drilling uh, and on with spring operations so let's get the crop in the ground see what the rest of spring has in store and hopefully we can work towards uh, another record this season Excellent, well let's hope so well done on the campaign and uh, yes, all looking to the new season now Nick That's right, thank you very much, cheers Sean Nick Morris at British Sugar Now we're sticking with beet uh, Tuesday saw the end of the campaign but Thursday saw another significant date, a year to go until our withdrawal from the EU, give or take the odd transitional period. With a year to go, though, are we any more prepared for it? Uh, we touched on the issue of migrant workers with one of the chief Brexiteers, Boris Johnson, on the programme last week. Well, another concern at the NFU is the possible impact of tariff-free imports on the sugar industry and the effect that could have on the beet farmers. Uh, grows a warning of concerns if the government gets rid of import tariffs after Brexit. Andrew Wilson is from the union. The sugar beet industry in the UK is a real homegrown success story. Uh, we have seen sugar beet yields increase massively over the last uh, 15 years, which is a real uh, success story for the farmers, for the seed breeders, who've learned how to uh, get a much greater yield from the crop. And, uh, and ultimately, British Sugar have then had more sugar to sell. Um, the sugar industry in the UK employs a lot of people. There's the people in the factories, uh, particularly here in the east of the country. Um, there's also the farmers, there's the hauliers, there's the lifters, and there's the loaders of the crop. So um, it is a real homegrown success story. Now, the risks for that are if uh, post-Brexit, if um, tariffs are taken away on uh, imported cane sugar then we will start to see cane sugar come into the market and compete with um, uh, beet sugar. They can produce cane sugar for a much lower price than beet sugar. And uh, you have companies like Tate & Lyle, which is American-owned, um, that could potentially take some of this uh, of this market. So um, we would like to see um, support for the homegrown sugar industry, um, as it employs an awful lot of people and is a, a real success story here in the uh, in the east of England. Britain um, at the moment is a net importer um, of uh, of sugar. So all of the sugar that we um, have in this country, we can uh, consume it, but we also uh, import uh, some cane sugar as well from uh, developing nations around the world. And I think the sugar um, process would are happy to see some of that sugar come into the country to um, to maintain uh, the market as it is at the moment. Um, but what we wouldn't want to see is a is a, uh, a vast glut of uh, of cane sugar enter the country, um, which would have an impact on the, not only the farmers here but also the processes and the many hundreds of people whose um, whose jobs rely on it. Many farmers will tell you that they're um, not. Uh, not making huge margins on growing sugar um, here at the moment. I mean, sugar markets are incredibly volatile markets. They're probably the most volatile commodity market. Uh, and therefore, we want to make sure that uh, UK farmers are able to grow the crop here, grow it in a profitable way, 
and uh, and supply the UK industries which they do. It seems to me to make more sense to support UK industry, UK jobs, uh, as opposed to uh, looking around for the cheapest deal in the world um, at the cost of UK farming and at the cost of, uh, of the UK sugar industry. Andrew Wilson at the NFU on the specific issue there of sugar tariffs. But mm, what about more widely? How are we feeling with now less than a year to go to Brexit? Here's Andrew's NFU colleague, Alison Pratt. I think there's still a great deal of concern about Brexit. Um, I think with a year to go, there's still a great deal to be decided. Um, For example, we still really don't know what trading conditions we will have with the rest of Europe and the rest of the world. Um, And that for most of our farmers is going to cause some um, considerable problems. Um, If there is no trade deal and we have to result to the World Trade Organization rules, uh, that could impose severe restrictions on the movement of goods across our borders. Um, So, for example, for our sheep farmers, um, where we uh, export about £350 million worth of sheep meat every year from the UK, um, that could cause considerable issues with the sheep market. Um, But we're also looking at the possible imposition of of barriers to trade, um, which could have impacts on the food market full stop. Um, For example, we import a lot of food um, from the rest of Europe, for example, iceberg lettuce from Spain. Um, If there are uh, barriers to the movement of food across borders, um, how are we going to get fresh lettuce um, overnight from uh, from Spain? It won't be fresh. Um, The the borders will stop it being fresh because there will be checks. Um, Those sorts of issues, I think, are a considerable worry to us. Um, In horticulture, that's our growing of of vegetables and fruit and flowers, uh, we employ a lot of non-UK born labour and they're very necessary to the the production process, Uh, not only sort of primary production in growing and packing but all the way through the food chain. It's estimated that in the UK we uh, employ about 80,000 people who aren't um, born in this country um, just in the production and processing of, of food. Um, so it's vital that we have access to that labour and if in a year's time we still don't have um, uh, any way of getting this labour across uh, into this country, we quite a lot of our businesses will be in severe trouble. Already we're seeing the effects of of Brexit on the way that migrant labour moves into this country. Um, Partly it's financial because, of course, we've seen a drop in the value of the pound against the euro. So coming to work in this country isn't as um, uh, attractive as it used to be. Um, Migrant labourers also tell us that they don't feel welcome. Um, So they're not coming perhaps um, to work here as they might have done before um, to find work and and to send money home to their families um, or to come and live here permanently. So there are already issues. uh, And in a year's time, if uh, things aren't any better and if we don't have any settled way of of maintaining the um, non-UK born workforce, then um, there will be considerable issues for the food chain. Alison Pratt there at the NFU with uh, just a few of the concerns that need answers over the coming weeks. Now we're a year away from withdrawal. Good morning. I think we've talked enough already about Brexit uncertainties for the moment. Anyway, let's talk agronomy instead with our crop doctor, Sean Sparling. Morning, Sean. Happy Easter. Yes, good morning, Sean. And happy Easter to you too and to all our listeners. Right, let's move on to another very uncertain future, and that is uh, the season ahead. The the day lengths increase. We saw some warm weather at the end of last week that sadly broke on Tuesday, but we've seen some warmer soil conditions. We've seen crops starting to move. We see the sun higher in the sky, longer days, more intense UV levels. And that is really making, particularly oilseed rate, 
absolutely romp away. Now it's too late in a field to spray biphenox on an oilseed rape crop if you can look into the canopy from above and see the buds. You're too late at that point. You are not too late, however, for clopyrrolid or clopyrrolid picloram mixes because that's slightly different. The buds, if they're still within the canopy, you're quite safe. Once they start to rise and extend above the canopy, that is when you need to cut off. So we're at sort of one minute to midnight for those products at the moment. Treat every field on their individual merits. If you see the buds rising, forget that crop because you can damage uh, those developing buds and pods, particularly with picloram in there. But as long as they're below the canopy, you're still safe. Light leaf spot as well. Similarly, that is absolutely romping away now. Um, and you need to be in control of light leaf spot. Don't just assume that you've got a, oh, it's got a seven rating for light leaf spot because I'm absolutely fine. You're not. Get out there, have a look. You only have protection. You're only ever going to protect for three weeks at most with even the best product. So all I can say is that inoculum is in these crops. If the weather starts to warm up and it starts to cycle, it's going to spread to the new growth. That's your job to stop it moving to the new growth. And if in three weeks' time it starts to cycle again, you need to be in again with a fungicide. There isn't one that'll kill it because all we can ever do is slow down its progress. Um, and no pollen beetle whatsoever. I have sticky traps all over the county. We'll move on to pollen beetle as we go forward over the next couple of weeks and as the buds start to develop. Nothing out there. Please don't spray insecticides for the sake of doing it because you've always done it. That it isn't the way to approach it. It's no good for the beneficials and it's certainly no good for the environment to do things like that. Winter cereals as well. We're starting to see in winter wheat an awful lot of development of septoria. Even crops which uh, have ratings of sevens against septoria, like siskin, you can find that septoria in the base of all of these crops. That means we need to think seriously about how we're going to approach the season ahead. You are currently at the T0 timing. That, as I've said before, needs building around chlorthalonil. It must be around chlorthalonil, but it's whether you put triazole or stabilirin in with that. Certainly put manganese, magnesium as well, that's going to help you. But if you put a strob in, for example, one thing which is noticeable in these fields they've been sat for 10 or 11 weeks in wet feet they've had wet feet in wet soil that means a lot of the fibrous roots have started to shrivel up and die because they haven't needed them we've got almost tap roots on some of these cereal crops we need to encourage them to produce fibrous roots because it's those fibrous roots which scavenge the nitrogen and the other nutrients that's why a lot of fields look like they look at the moment they're not picking up the nutrient quick enough so a strob for example will help manipulate that the use of a growth regulator in there at t may well help manipulate that so talk to your agronomist and pick the right source of program but as we stand here now looking forward to growth stage 31 i'm thinking there's a a lot of septoria i'm gonna i'm thinking sdhi i'm thinking robust triazole doses and that's going to be the key really in any situation there are only two things you can do you can make the best decision or the next best decision the best decision is the right one the next best is the wrong one simple as that same as brexit you either made the best or the next best um so uh, everything out there is moving there's yellow rust starting to move we've got spring barley spring wheat going in the ground and if you're doing that and you're on a uh, uh, the reason you're doing spring wheat, spring barley is for blackgrass control. For goodness sake, put your pre-em on. Drill it and spray it. Don't drill a block and then expect to go back in 10 days to put the pre-em on because you'll be too late. It pre-em is a pre-em and a lot of these products don't have clearance post-emergence of the crop, nor are they safe post-emergence of the crop. So please, if you're going to drill it, go and spray it. Get the job done one at a time. Um, and apart from that, there's very little sugar beet in the ground. There's no peas in the ground. There's the odd field of beans in the ground. Um, it's quite a complicated spring but yeah we all like a challenge don't we um 
And just thinking about Sugar Beet, we've finished the season and quite an extraordinary season we've ended up with. In May, it looked like some of these crops wouldn't be up in rows before the Lincolnshire show, let alone touching in the row by Lincolnshire show. And it's ended up with, 10 years ago, 70 tonnes per hectare was a dream. This year, 90 to 100 tonnes per hectare is the norm. And that is a testament to the variety. The breeders of these varieties, I tip my hat to them because the job they've done in the last 10 years is quite extraordinary. Obviously, you need agronomy, you need all that look that goes with you. But, you know, that is what this yield increase is down to. Sadly, the price isn't very good. And we do need these crops to be yielding those sorts of levels to make them a viable proposition. Um, and then just before I finish, I'd just like to mention a very, very good friend of mine, Roger Cam I worked with Roger, he's an agronomist in Lincolnshire, I've known Roger for over 30 years, very, very well respected within this industry, Roger, not just by his peers and those of us in the agronomy side, but also by his clients, and Roger was, you know, something of a cult following with his growers, they absolutely adored him because of the way he did his job, no nonsense, get on with the job, very practical man, always had a, a funny little story to tell, always had a funny little quip, and I shall miss him, he had had uh, a long and very vicious fight with uh, cancer which he sadly lost uh, a few weeks ago and uh, just to let you know if you didn't know he'd passed away there is a memorial service for Roger Cowling at St Thomas Church in Market Raisin on Monday the 9th of April at 1pm so if you want to say your final farewells to Roger um, at his memorial service that's where it is one o'clock St Thomas's Church Market Raisin on the 9th of April and uh, it's not going to be a nice day um, and it'll be a very sad day, but there'll be an awful lot of people there wishing him farewell on his way. A sad loss to the industry. And of course, we pass on our best wishes to Roger's family and friends as well. That service a week tomorrow. Thank you, Sean. Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. To open field then, Kit Dickinson has the latest this Easter weekend. Hello, Kit. Morning, Sean. How are you? I'm OK, thank you. Apart from the voice, hold, yours is better. So go on, give us the info. Well, this week really is all about UK weather. It's the main talking point, and we're seeing continued rain across most parts of the country, which has been delaying spring drilling. There was a good window for drilling crops last weekend, and at the early part of this week before the rain came. Sadly, the outlook for the week ahead isn't looking promising. Wheat, there is still a draw to the north, paying circa 145 to 150 pounds X farm, whereas the south is paying less, circa 135, 140. Oilseed rape has had a quiet week and we've seen little change. The crushes have got plenty of cover at present in the nearby and the market is waiting for any implications from the USDA report that came out on Thursday evening. This will be processed over the weekend and stocks are expected to be at record highs, which could mean we see movement in the market in the early next week. Barley, old crop feed barley is still sought after by the consumer and the shipper and is currently trading at a 5 to £8 discount to feed wheat. Malting barley premiums for old crop have been reduced 10 to 15 pounds and new crop are circa 20 pounds but all premiums are subject to area and quality. Current spring barley drilling in the UK is estimated to be roughly 20% done and France spring drilling is circa 70% finished. Prices this week feed wheat old crop April and May is 147 to 149 new crop November 140 to 144 Milling wheat premiums are circa four to six pounds on old crop. All seed rape crop, April and May, 282 to 284. Harvest movement, 275. And November 18, 285. No carry in the market further forward. Barley, 
Feed barley old crop April and May 142 to 145. New crop November 131 to 133. Malting barley premiums on old crop, as I've said, are between 10 and 15 pounds, and new crop circa 20. Feed beans April, May and June 160x farm, dependent on area, and human consumption premiums are available for the very best quality, but they are priced by appointment only. Thank you, Kit Dickinson from Open Field. Now, we like to celebrate success here on the farming programme, and a group of students from Rhizome have just had some quite significant success in the Great Farm Challenge. Two teams, one came third, the other first. Andrew Ward has met the winning teenagers. In a moment, the winning team, George Clayton, Elliot Leeper, George Hobson and Edward Welsh. First, though, Ben Stanley and Richard Barthwell, they came third with their teammate Toby Powell. Uh, Richard has told Andrew the aims of the challenge. Uh, just to improve farming and uh, look look after the water mainly. Yeah, OK, right, moving on to the other team. Edward, um, the, the whole challenge, you were, the companies that you were with, which companies were, were helping you and sponsoring you? Uh, Anglian Water, Natural England and the Environmental Agency were all sponsoring the event. And did they, did they actually get involved with you and were with you some of the time? Yeah, uh, Anglian Water did a workshop with us on soil quality and water quality when we visited Dyson. Right, that's great. And George, we've just heard the farm you were at. Um, wh- where was it again? It was Beeswax Dyson Farming at Nocton, the 7,000 acre estate there. Right, OK. And uh, Elliot, uh, how long was the whole job altogether? How long was the, was the, was the sort of the um, competition? How long did it stretch over? Well, it stretched over a few weeks because we had a site visit to Nocton and had a good look around the farm. It was good of Dyson to let us look around and see, see the farm there. Yeah. Um, then we had to put together some presentations which we sent off and finally um, we, when the presentations had been looked at we got shortlisted to the final which we had to go to a few weeks later OK and George we've mentioned the final where did your team come? Uh, we won it we came first which is fantastic so we've already heard Elliot just mention the presentations Who, which one of you were in charge of that? did you all contribute or did one of you do more than the others? Uh, no we all did an equal contribution and um, all helped each other Right. Okay. And and the uh, have you ever done PowerPoint presentations before? Have you had, sort of known a bit about that and had any uh, um, tutoring on it? Uh, well, not to this extent. Yeah. Um, but obviously done a little bit before, but yeah, not too much. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay, George. And so, what did you learn from it? Obviously, um, lots of good positive things. Obviously, going around in the yeah. state like that, lots of yeah. things to well, take home. We learnt quite a lot about how they're trying to preserve water quality on the farm. Mm. And uh, being beeswax and such a big company, we did find it difficult to find our improvements mm. that we could give. But, um, yeah, overall, learnt a lot about water quality. Right. And it's something that you, if you, anybody was uh, sort of uh, saying, would you do this, you'd recommend anybody to go in and try and enter a competition oh, yeah, like this? Oh, definitely. Right, yeah, OK. And, and um, yeah, come on, Ben, what did you learn from it? And would you do it again? Uh, I would do it again and um, I'll learn I'll, how to improve my public speaking and learn a lot about Dyson farming and how they're trying to protect the environment and especially the water environment. Well done to both teams in that great farm challenge. They're not the only ones celebrating this weekend, though. Bishop Burden students George Goodson, Archie Reed, Tom Watson, Harry Foster and George Chair also did well at the recent Austin shooting ground, uh, as Andrew has also been finding out from them first with George.
It was a university challenge competition at Austin Shooting Ground. Um, about nine universities there. It included 25 down the line, 25 sport trap and 50 English sporting, um, which we wanted to shoot. And uh, yeah, it went well. Is this competition an entry for another competition? Or is it, one, is it a one-off, Tom? Uh, what, what, is the competition yeah. just a one-off? No, we're, ho- we're hoping to get into more and more competitions as the years, as we're at Bishop for longer. Right. And we're hoping to get like jackets and get all the gear yeah. and then go to more competitions and try and get publicity out there again. Now, George, what's, uh, you all as, uh, know each other. Have you known each other before you came to college here? Uh, I knew Archie before I came here, yeah. um, but that's about it. Yeah. Right. And oh, ha- sorry, I knew Harry. Yeah, Harry's yeah. my cousin. Yeah, Harry's <laughs> your cousin, is it? Yeah, well, you yeah. do know him then. Yeah. And, and how long have you been shooting? Uh, oh, I started shooting like game when I was um, nine, ten, something. Yeah. But uh, I preferred shooting clays. And, um, yeah, I started competing... When I was uh, mid fifteen, sort of thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and do you compete regularly now? Yeah. Yeah. As much as you can. Like most Sundays. And do yeah. you belong a club? Uh, well, no, not really. I go to um, Austin Shooting Ground near Grantham. Yeah. Um, and that's where I practice the most. So. Right. Right. Yeah. It's yeah, good. Uh, yeah. Oh, good. And Archie, what about you? How long have you been shooting? Uh, well, I've been shooting games since I was about ten, eleven, but I didn't shoot clays really at all until I came to. Bishop, but then we went every Wednesday for training. Yeah, and then to uh, where? Um, Brands Burton. Yeah, yeah, it's about uh, fifteen minutes away from college. Right. Oh, I see. Okay. So, go to there. And you, and are you all going to stick together? Do you think as a team and enter more competitions, or have you all fed up with the sight of each other already? Uh, well, I think it'd be good to see what everyone else can do as well, because we haven't really. Uh, gone through everyone yet yeah really we just normally go with ourselves to the shooting ground so i think it'd be quite good to go for everyone yeah yeah see yeah. how they shoot yeah good and harry what was the, the sort of the detail you were shooting how many clays were you shooting at the other day it was 100 altogether yeah 25 down the line yeah. 25 sport trap 50 yeah. uh sport yeah yeah good and what sort of gun are you using are you using 12 or 20 12 nico Oh, right, right, well, yeah, OK. And what about you, George? What are you on? Uh, 12 ball under and over. Um, yeah. So none of you lads are on a 20 ball? No. Oh, it's all too easy with a 12 ball. <laughs> all too easy. What you're doing now here at Rhizome, the, the courses you're all on, what are you all doing here, the various courses? Uh, well, I do agriculture. Yeah. And, um, and, and, what, and uh, Tom? I'm also on agriculture as well, first year. Right, how oh, are you? Yeah, and enjoying yeah. it. It's good fun, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But is it hard work as well in the yeah, learning something? Always working hard. That's what we like to hear. Oh, yeah, that's what, what about you, Harry? Uh, I'm a first year engineer. Oh, engineering course, so different to the, to the uh, agricultural one. Are you enjoying it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, great. So, all of you lads, then, you're going to stick together, are you? And going to do more competitions you like to think? Yeah, yeah, but there's uh, two people who um, couldn't do the competition. So, like, before each competition we do, we do a mini selection shoot and yeah. uh, see who comes out on top and you know get the best chance of winning yeah yeah great so uh, you actually won this competition you say no well uh george goodson uh he got high gun so he shot the highest individual out of everybody there yeah um and then there was a little skeet competition which uh i won actually but you got uh, the skeet yeah. well done well done well, well we'll come over to george then so you, you won the high bird yeah um and how many how many claves was that 83 85 out of 100 did um, you really yeah which was, was that out of a tower no, it was uh, 41 out of 50 on the sporting 
21 out of 25 on the sport trap and 23 out of 25 on the DTL. So when you say sporting, what do you mean by sporting? Um, you've got two traps uh, and you get sent three or four pairs mm. um, consecutively and you've got to try and get them um, as many as you can. And are any of those clays middies or minis? All minis, uh, well, they range minis, middies, standards. Um, but yeah, it's a various types yeah. of targets you're yeah. always getting through and they're never the same. He won the individual shoot, George Goodson there, and well done to all of the team. And there'll be longer chats with the students on our podcast, which will be available to listen online later. The Farming Programme, five-day forecast. Yes, before my voice gives out, let's take a look at the weather. Uh, patchy cloud today, maybe a shower or two, six the high. The wind from the east-northeast, 10, gusting at 15 miles an hour. Overnight tonight, temperatures down to around freezing point, generally one Celsius. The possibility of some wintry showers where those temperatures do dip a little bit low. We're looking at the wind, more blowing from the east-southeast, gusting at 20 miles an hour. And then a rather wet start to your bank holiday Monday. Um, we've got some heavy rain to come uh, through the day. Temperatures about 5 Celsius, continuing that wind from the east-southeast, 20 gusting at 35, 40 miles an hour for a time. Further rain as we head into the evening. Warming up, though, the wind more blowing from the south-southeast, 10 gusting at 15 miles an hour. That means that lows overnight of around 7 Celsius to start Tuesday. And then warming up through Tuesday itself should be a little bit drier as well once that uh, rain has passed over. 12, maybe 13 Celsius the high for Tuesday. The wind blowing from the south-southeast, gusting at 25 miles an hour. For the middle of the week, again, mostly dry, maybe a shower or two come Wednesday afternoon. We're looking at highs of around 10 Celsius. The wind continuing from the south, 15, gusting at 25 miles an hour. And then the latter end of the week, it looks like it's staying with temperatures in double figures, 11, 12, the daytime high. Overnight lows between 3 and 5 Celsius. The wind by the end of the week, more from the west, gusting again around 20 miles an hour. So that is the forecast. No beast from the East 3. And that's your Easter weekend's farming update as well. We'll have uh, more of the same next week. Maybe my voice will be back as well. We'll find out. Until then, have a good week.